You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Whatever it was, I mean, the, the bubble got the best of me. Um, I was just in a dark place. I really wasn't here. I checked out. So these past couple games, it was just it was just difficult. But, you know, shout out to people that stood behind me, that was in my corner. Uh, the positivity, my teammates, my family, friends, um, everybody. Thank everybody that reached out to me. I was just in a bad place. I found my way. I'm back. I look forward to the rest of this run. That's Paul George. Boy, the Clippers look good last night. He's a good player. I, th- I mean, he got so much heat <laughs> in the last couple weeks. Paul George did and talked about anxiety and even some depression inside the bubble. It's interesting. We don't give, you know, golfers and some other sports go through times where, like, the mental side is just not there. And it's like, okay, it's like considered an acceptable thing in golf. It's like sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. It's such a grind mentally. We don't allow that for other sports. We really don't. I mean, and, and they could be dealing with a bunch of different issues, too. Sometimes in baseball. You know, you get those guys with the yips or can't throw a strike. Actually, someone uh, Periscope just said Giolito had the worst ERA in 2018 has really turned things around. One thing about Periscope, by the way, it, the, when they comment, which I appreciate you commenting, it's re- if I'm not on it, it disappears so quick. So I can't even see who it was that said it, but I kind of read the, the, the statement quick. So appreciate yeah. you commenting. Um, but then it disappears, and I can't go back and find it <laughs> on Periscope. It's a strange thing. So uh, definitely, if you wanted to, your thoughts heard, uh, jump on the Twitter side, uh, at Brent A.S. Jackson, and I can certainly see those. Uh, sometimes I don't want to see them, but sometimes I do. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> Woj just uh, tweeted, I mean, we just heard that sports update yeah. about the Bucks about the game about to start. Woj just tweeted that the Bucks have yet to come on the court, neither have the Magic. Uh, apparently, there's some discussion about boycotting the game. Um, I guess if officials just went into the Milwaukee locker room to to see what's going on. Let's uh, t- we're gonna get into that in a little bit, okay? Don't we'll do it right now. I just teased the some Dave Caldwell draft stuff, and we've got Chip Wild coming on from Daytona International Speedway in just a few minutes. But we're gonna get into it. It's a topic today mm-hmm. about the boycott potential, and so let's see where this story goes, and we'll follow it because there's been a lot of talk about Toronto and the Celtics that series, but here's Milwaukee and the Magic. Uh, what that means, what that could mean. And my question about it is, will it be impactful? Mm-hmm. It, is that a fair question if you boycott uh, yeah. in, in this sense? Is that a good use of platform? Uh, because I, I'm just being honest with you. I asked that question to myself. I was like, okay, I understand. Uh, there's a lot of focus right now. Basketball is not the primary focus. You appreciate everything we talked about yesterday, guys using their platform. Yeah. But is boycott, boycotting a basketball game – does that change anything? Does that spark change? Want to get into it? Okay. Uh, and a, you have a quick thought on it? Well, I mean, not really a quick thought. <laughs> you know, yeah, more, that's more, why. More, yeah. So let's wait to get into that. Right, we'll get, we'll but did it. you hear that stuff from Doc Rivers too? The yeah, audio? It's, yeah, it's crazy it's, stuff. Uh, 
There's been a lot. Listen, there's been a lot of eloquent things said. There's been yeah, a lot yeah. of powerful things said. Whether you agree with stuff or not, there's mm-hmm. a lot of talking going on right now. But if we don't have games, do we hear Doc Rivers? That's one of my sure. thoughts, right? But getting back to Paul George, though, you know, and I mean, he it, it really sounded like after the interview, like he, he sounded like he was coming from a really dark place and he was depressed. Yeah. Now, once again, we don't know what that exactly means, whether he's upset because he feels like he can't do anything in that bubble in terms of, you know, the racial injustice and obviously what's happening right now in Kenosha. So I'm not sure that's something to do with it. I'm not sure if it's more of just his psyche and what he sees on Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of things right now happening with Paul George, but Keep in mind what these guys are going through right now. Where usually if you have a bad game, you lose a game or you win a game, what do you do after the game? You go home to your families. You, you go home to the environment that you have constructed to you know, to ease the tension, let's just say. right? It's something that you set up. You're creatures of habit. These guys got to go back to the, their hotel room. Yeah. The, these guys have to go see their opponents you know, in the lobby. So it's different in terms of it, whether it's a big win or a big loss. Like You go back to your room by yourself. And I'm sure you go on Twitter and you go online and see people are saying about you that that can be a very negative and toxic environment for anybody. Yeah, I just I just hit like three different things in like 120 seconds. But that was what I was getting at. I mean, we don't give these guys. It's like not OK. Right. Yeah. It's not OK to deal with that stuff. But in like golf, it, it, it is sometimes in basketball. It's not in football. It's not go and play, you know, mm-hmm. deal with it. You know, that's what you get. And, you know, some sports you don't get that. Some sports you do. But I think Paul George brought that to light a little bit. I'll give a quick little story about that. And that is I I know somebody who's in a a baseball organization, not at the major league level, but they're hanging around with like the camps, uh, the the taxi squad, the extended team, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Major League Baseball, where they clamp, you know, with all the testing that was going on and some of the early results from the Marlins and, and others, they really clamped down. Like so, these guys are basically they're living in hotel rooms. They're not even playing games that matter, by the way. They're basically sequestered to hotel rooms. They go out and practice with their taxi squad, if you will, and and get the team ready. And you might have a rehab start or something like, or, or rehab for some of the players that are injured. And well, before you could go back to your hotel and you could hang out with the other coaching staff and grab a pizza, watch a movie, watch some sports, whatever's on, you know play cards, whatever yeah. it is. Well, when Major League Baseball really clamped down, the story that I got was couldn't do it, didn't allow it. So basically you had to go back to your hotel and basically stay in your hotel wow. because they did not want – and that was even at the taxi squad level. It wasn't even at the big league level. Yeah. So you talk about – you're right. When you do that for a few months, couple months – that's a lonely place, man. I mean, you can only play so much on your phone, read yeah. so many books, watch so many movies. Especially after a bad game. And I can't especially imagine. if you're performing. This, these yeah. folks weren't performing night after night, but if yeah. you're actually, you, you got to live with that game. You know, yeah. everybody's got to live with the game they played or the play they didn't make or whatever it is. Yeah. But if you're on a, in a bad place and you're not rolling along like Paul George, you're yeah. really living with it. Well, and, and let's be honest. I mean, you're sitting in your hotel room. You, I mean, I'm sure. And listen, I don't, I'm not sure what the bubble's like. I'm sure there's a lot of things to take your mind off it, whatever. But one of your outlets has to be to go to your cell phone. One of your outlets has to be to go to social media because that's how these athletes are these days. And obviously, you see what people say said about Paul George prior to the game last night. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not a great environment to be a part of, especially after yeah, yeah, such a bad game. But to me, this is where obviously the culture comes in. This is where Doc Rivers and and the team comes in of having Paul George's back, and sometimes. Maybe the most talented teams that can be successful in this bubble. We, have, we you know we haven't talked about we talk about the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks and everything, but maybe it's the most tight knit team that that wins the championship this year. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Uh, we're all over the place right yeah, now. Yeah. We'll get back to the NBA in just a moment.
but I want to go real quick conversation. Dave Caldwell, obviously maligned uh, at, at times in a lot uh, here in Jacksonville for not a very good record and uh, especially first-round draft picks not working out. Um, got brought back. People didn't like that, him and Doug Marone. And one of the big things you heard was the problem with bringing Dave Caldwell back in many people's eyes was now they had 12 picks to make. Great, you got 12 picks. Great, you're <laughs> resetting things. Yeah. But I don't trust that guy to make the picks. I don't trust this regime to make the picks. Now, I think it's an interesting technicality here because even if they – the GM has a lot to say, but keep in mind there's a scouting community that has done work for like 18 months that even if you had hired, say Trent Baalke comes in and he's the new GM. Mm-hmm. Well, the, sc- the scouting community that you were going to go through that draft with is the same one Caldwell went through, essentially. Now, mm-hmm. the guy making the ultimate decision would be different, and I'm not saying that wouldn't make a difference or wouldn't be different. I'm not saying Baalke would have picked uh, – well, he's part of the staff, so maybe he did sign off on it, everything too and agreed, but it – bring XGM in. I'm not saying they would have drafted everybody that uh, Dave Caldwell did. Like a sp- First pick. I'm not sure everybody would have taken C.J. Henderson. Someone yeah. else might have taken an offensive lineman based on their evaluation of Cam Robinson or uh, maybe one of the receivers to, to, instead of Chenault in the second round. So it, yeah, you would have had some differences, no doubt about it. But my point being the scouting staff would remain the same. If you're going to make changes on scouting staffs, it usually happens after the draft because mm-hmm. they put so much work into it. Uh, so that, just a, a clarification. But as for this goes on Caldwell's watch, his draft, people weren't comfortable with him picking 12. The Jaguars did pick 12. It's the most picks they've ever had uh, in franchise history. But right now, uh, again, I haven't even seen him on the field in a game. Yeah. I understand that. This is way too early in results. C.J. Henderson. He's had some – I mean, obviously he had the – well, incident the other day, yeah. he got sick a little bit, but he was playing pretty well before that. True, and, and let's be honest, I mean, right off the get-go with C.J. Anderson, that's the big one, right? Because you're essentially, and it's not fair to you, but guess what? It is, it is the way that it is. You're replacing Jalen Ramsey, okay? They they traded Jalen Ramsey away, and now you're replacing him. So, depending how this this pick does, we'll say a lot about this draft. Let's just Caleb on chase on at 20, I'm just telling you, Doug Marone raved about somebody, and he doesn't usually do that. Sure. Uh, so, good sign there. And I like Chanel is the buzz of the class, yep. right? Uh, Devon Hamilton, we'll find out because he's going to have to play. Everybody likes all their players. Uh, Rebrovich the other day was very nice and, and has good things to say about Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I, I think the question about Hamilton is, was that a good spot to draft him? Well, where it's working out for the Jags is they got a pretty good, talented guy in the third round. Whether it was high or not, it's a necessity right now. They need depth on that offensive line, and it's working out that they did pick Devon Hamilton where they picked Devon Hamilton. Yep. Ben Barch is going to be a project, although it's been kind of fun to watch him out there in practices. Yeah. I mean, he looks the part, doesn't yeah. he? Well, he's physical, too. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, he looks the part. Uh, he, no doubt this guy is going to be a part of their offensive line at some point well, Keep in, in mind, too, he's playing position at the guard where he hasn't really played before, so he's adjusting to that as well. Okay. Things get a little trickier after that. Mm-hmm. Shaquille Quarterman, Josiah Scott. Mm-hmm. Daniel Thomas. Daniel Thomas made some nice plays. Just got a hamstring the other day, uh, so he missed practice. We'll see what happens coming out of there. Those guys, I'm not going to go overboard with those guys. I really don't. I mean, we'll see. 
Uh, but I don't know how impa- impactful they'll be right now. Special teams will be a part of those guys. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we love Shaq Quarterman. I just don't know. I can't sit here and say, wow, what a, I mean, what a great well, pick that was. And, and you know what I hope? I hope they put him at, you know, uh, at strong side linebacker so one of my bold predictions comes true. That's right. You did that. Uh, yeah. Uh, he really <laughs> has been. It's been a little quiet on the Quarterman front on mm-hmm. camp, if we're being honest. Yeah. It's not like he's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But he's not that kind of player either. He's True. more consistent. He's not flashy player. Yeah. Because he doesn't have like that athleticism that jumps out like, wow, he's fast. Or, you know, he's just going to knock you in the next week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a good football player. Sure. Uh, Colin Johnson. We know how he's, he's feel about he's that. He's making the draft look pretty good for them right now, at least in some of the catches he made. We'll see. Can yeah. that translate to the season is certainly a fair question to ask. I'll tell you what. Jake Luton looks to be a guy that. It could be a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Is he a franchise quarterback? No. But neither was the guy that was picked last year in the sixth round supposed to be the franchise quarterback, and he might be. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. side note. Tyler Davis. Looks like he's going to make this team and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost has to be, right? He has to be a part of it, yeah. And then there's Chris Claybrooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm telling you what, those guys on the back end of that secondary, the young players, mm-hmm. they are showing they have some interesting depth from a youth standpoint. Clay Brooks, Barku, who they signed in yeah. for, as an undrafted free agent. I, again, I'm not going to sit here and rave about them. I'm just telling you I've noticed them. Mm-hmm. So if you notice guys on the field, that means they're making plays usually a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's a good sign. We'll see what they do, and Clay Brooks primarily probably be a return man early on. We'll see if he can get that job done under the bright lights. Yeah. But uh, overall, that Duval dozen, as we've claimed them to be, or they've claimed themselves to be, yeah, it's a good start. It's a good start. And overall, most of these guys have been healthy, too, to boot, which is nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're asking me where where do I stand right now on this draft class, how great did Dave Caldwell do? I mean, I think he addressed positions of need. You know, obviously, it comes out to me, Devon Hamilton. I mean, obviously, they needed him more than we thought they would. Now we'll see what he brings on the field. C.J. Henderson, you needed that as well. You know, we'll see with Caleb on chase on in terms of need. I mean, you had Yannick Ngakwe. We don't know what's going to happen with him yet, but and I saw this very, and I kind of echoed Doug a little bit here, maybe not to the much of, as gushiness as he's brought to the table, but I, I like Caleb on Chase on a lot. I love what I'm seeing from him so far. So basically, what I need to see from this draft class to say, you know what, Dave Caldwell, I tip my hat to you, sir. Um, I'm not mad at you for not re-signing me because the team needs defensive ends. You know what? It's all good. So with that being said, I need CJ Henderson to produce. I need Caleb on Chase on to to show glimpses of greatness, let's just say. I need LaVisca Chenault to, to, to be that go-to guy. I don't want to say he's going to be the go-to guy like a two-receiver, but I need him to kind of be like that jack-of-all-trades guy, kind of like that a la Debo Samuel. If there's a jet sweep, LaVisca Chenault. If there's a, like a like a screen in the slot, LaVisca Chenault. If there's a guy going up to get the ball in space, comes down with it, LaVisca Chenault. So I need that. Everything else, what makes it a great draft to me, Brent, is then when you hit a home run with a later round draft pick. And to me right now, as I analyze this draft, that could be Colin Johnson. Okay, Um, Whether it's a red zone threat, whether it's a guy that can be maybe dependable to receiver in the future, Colin Johnson taking the fifth round pick 165, he, he could be that sleeper. He could be that dark horse. He could be that home run threat a la Telvin Smith back in the day. And I think if you have that combination of the, of your top guys playing well and that home run pick late in the draft, you have a fantastic draft. So we'll see. Hey, breaking news in uh, right now. The Milwaukee Bucks have chosen to boycott playing game five against the Orlando.
Orlando Magic. Uh, the B- B- Milwaukee Bucks lead three games to one in that series. Uh, following uh, in the wake of the uh, Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin, uh, as a protest to that, they are boycotting game five against the Orlando Magic. That's just coming in. In the last minute, uh, reportedly, CBS Sports now saying it, ESPN saying it. Uh, we'll continue to follow that story. We'll have our thoughts on that in just a moment or two. But uh, right now, we go down to Daytona International Speedway. Brent Martino, former Jags player Austin Lane on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And we are joined by Daytona International Speedway President Chip Wild. Big weekend coming up on Saturday. The Coke Zero Sugar 400. A calendar change for this traditional event that's usually right around the 4th of July in the summer. And now it's got itself situated right in the middle of it all. The last one of the regular season. The playoffs on the horizon. You guys have to be pretty fired up there, Chip, for this Saturday night. Man, it's, uh, it's going to be a crazy weekend here. You think about the names of the drivers who are on the bubble, who either have to race their way in or win the race in order to make the playoff. It's pretty remarkable. Seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson sits outside the playoff right now. Uh, has to have a good has to have a good showing on Saturday night. He's racing his teammate William Byron for that last spot to try to make uh, the playoff in order to race for uh, the championship in, in Phoenix. So. Man, it's going to be a crazy weekend. And then you got drivers like Ricky Stenhouse Jr., won the Cook Zero Sugar 400 a couple years ago, has proven that he knows how to get around the International Speedway. He knows this is his last chance to have a, a, to, to, to get into the playoff. How's he going to race this weekend? There's just so much excitement uh, building around this weekend's races at the Speedway. Well, Chip, you mentioned it. You know, with Jimmy Johnson, obviously the great Jimmy Johnson, multiple time champion. William Byron, they're teammates, you know, and I'm a very casual NASCAR fan, but like, what is that going to look like, right? Because when you're a teammate, you're counting on to help each other, obviously, regardless of the sport, but now you're racing each other, too, for that spot. What is that going to look like? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think at the end of the day, they both are out for themselves. They got to race for themselves and their team. The bigger question is, what's Mr. Hendrick telling them uh, over the week? <laughs> you know, uh, what are those conversations are like at the shop? You know, hey, hey, William, you got plenty of time left. We need Jimmy to get into the playoff. Or, hey, buddy, this is your time to shine. You can show Jimmy Johnson why you're in that. Why you are in that 24 car. I just think, you know, everything matters more when people come to Daytona. These race car drivers, they want to win here, regardless if it's the Daytona 500 or the Coke Zero Sugar 400. But with everything on the line this weekend, knowing that one driver has the opportunity to uh, to make the playoff or not. It's setting the stage for a walk-off home run moment. You remember uh, back uh, when when Dale Earnhardt died in 2001, his son came down here that summer with something to prove, and the stage was set for him to be a hero, and he delivered. Mm-hmm. He won the Coke Series Sugar 400 in 2001. That's the kind of stage that's been set. And uh, we'll see what happens under the lights on Saturday night at the Daytona International Speedway. Daytona International Speedway President Chip Wild with us in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 Coke Zero Sugar 400 on Saturday night. Uh, I, I, it took a little while probably for some folks to get used to this calendar move. Do you absolutely love it with all the drama that's about to now take place? Well, I, I am. I, I do love it. You know, I'm a traditionalist. I, I love that. People came down here for the 4th of July holiday, got to enjoy uh, our great beaches here in Daytona, and then come out and watch some world-class racing. But, you know, we got to continue to evolve and change. This year has proven that over and over and over again. 
Um, so for us to be able to welcome uh, all these drivers and teams back, uh, I think it does uh, elevate the events. And, and, you know, we certainly have 62 years of tradition in that for the July holiday weekend. But, you know, we got to continue to look at things differently. And um, I think this is a great opportunity for us to, to showcase our, our facility in a different way. You know, for our community, uh, it, it's great because this is traditionally not a weekend where we would be very busy. And now we're welcoming uh, fans back to our community to stay in our hotels and eat our restaurants and come to the Speedway. NASCAR has been on the forefront of fans back in sports. How's it been going for NASCAR in general as you've watched it? And how did it go a couple of weeks ago uh, when you had the road race down, the road course race yeah. down there? <clears throat> I'm really proud of our company. Um, you know, we've been the first sport back with live content. We did that in, in May at uh, Darlington Raceway. Uh, and we've been able to sustain since coming back racing. We haven't had to take a break. Uh, and then we've been the first sport to welcome fans back to the stands. We welcomed a thousand fans back at Homestead Miami Speedway. We welcomed, fan, welcomed fans back at Talladega Super Speedway. We had fans here for Fourth of July uh, weather tickets for sports car event, and then we had fans a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, for our for our road course race. And I'll tell you, every time we we open the gates, we learn some things. We make small adjustments to our protocols, but really proud of the of the work that's been done by our team feel like we're, we're welcoming fans back in the right in the right manner uh we'll welcome back in a safe environment uh obviously there are new protocols uh you know because of the pandemic and and we have to abide by those in order to welcome fans back so we do require fans to wear masks we do do a temperature check and a and a, and a screening uh before you go in we offer every fan their own uh, hand sanitizer as they walk through the gates so they'll have their own hand sanitizer throughout their visit uh we have cashless payment we have mobile ticketing we have socially distanced areas at both in the venue and in the seating area uh, so that folks can keep their distance from other, from other people while enjoying uh, our facility and these world-class races. So, again, you know, everybody understands the world is different, and I think they appreciate that we're trying really hard to welcome fans back. Uh, and we've been able to do it successfully, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, NASCAR has made the adaptation. Uh, Chip Wow from Daytona International Speedway with us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Big race Saturday night, Coke Zero Sugar 400. There will be fans allowed for that, but on Friday night for the Wawa 250 Xfinity Series, no fans allowed for the Friday night race. So just want to make uh, that clarification. We have been down there a bunch, obviously, covering on the TV side with CBS 47 and Fox 30, and obviously we've done our shows down there around the Daytona 500 uh, the last couple of years here on ESPN 690. And one of the new, well, it's probably not so new for you now, Chip, but the new things for racing fans is, is that facility over the last few years. And I think about your facility, not only on the forefront of the way uh, arenas and stadiums and tracks will be for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years going forward, but also around this pandemic, when you do have to have social distancing, limited number of fans, it's almost a perfect setting for it because of these kind of neighborhoods that you guys have built in the concourse. Is it really probably works well, at least from my point of view. Is that the case for you guys? Yeah, no question. I think certainly um, it makes it a lot easier for us because we do have wide concourse areas, lots of seating areas, 101,000 brand-new seats uh, for fans to spread out and, and be comfortable and, and watch the races. Uh, so it, it certainly has helped. Um, you know, We have been able to figure out how to do it at other facilities that don't have the luxury of what we have here, um, but certainly it makes our job a little bit easier uh, when 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 people enter the gates at Daytona International Speedway, it's just uh, it's just a different time, as you guys know. I mean, you just you just broke you know, uh, the NBA playoffs are playing without fans. I watched 
the Tampa Bay Lightning play last night. And it's just weird to see uh, sports without fans. I mean, that's part of why people love sports is because they're fans there and they're, they're so passionate about what they do. And for us to be able to have them here, it really does change the dynamic of the event. Um, and so we're certainly fortunate that we've been able to do it and been able to do it safely and we'll and look forward to continuing to, to build on what we learn each and every week and continue to welcome fans back to the track. Daytona International Speedway.com, the place to go for tickets for Saturday night's race. $49 for adults, just $10 for kids 12 and under. Uh, so go attend a sporting event uh, this weekend down there at Daytona International Speedway. I'll leave you with this. As you look past, uh, you probably can't even look past this event, but humor me if you will. Uh, as you get ready for next year's Daytona 500, because that will be next on the docket, are you planning almost in, in both ways that the pandemic will still be ongoing? And obviously the hope that it will be cleared and you can pack that place as normal. Uh, what's the approach right now for for folks in charge of things like this, like yourself? Yeah, I mean, tickets are on sale for the Daytona 500, and, and we're actively selling. You know, we are confident that uh, you know we, we we're doing the right things, and you know, with the number of tickets that we've already sold, we certainly can accommodate all of those folks if we are uh, unfortunately stuck with the same with, in the same environment. But uh, you know, again, things change so rapidly; it's so hard to tell now what it's going to look like heck next week or next month especially in february so we're continuing to sell if people are interested in coming down for the daytona 500 daytona 500.com greatest way to make sure you don't miss the 63rd running of the great american race chip wild daytona international speedway president appreciate the time man good luck have a great weekend down there in daytona Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. That's Chip Wild, track president at uh, Daytona International Speedway. Uh, they w- should have a good one on Saturday, uh, by the way. 13 players already locked into the postseason in NASCAR. And keep your eye on Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, Benedetto as well, uh, all in the mix. But also, this is the fascinating part. If you're a casual NASCAR fan, the fascinating part of this race being it is you know Daytona International Speedway doesn't fit one racer. You never know what you're going to get down there. You want evidence of that? Justin Haley won last year's Coke Zero Sugar 400. Came out of nowhere to win it. So you could get that kind of winner even in this last race. Should be a lot of fun uh, this Saturday night at Daytona International Speedway. All right, the big news. We just broke uh, in the last few minutes. We're going to talk about it when we come back. A boycott by the Milwaukee Bucks. What does it mean? They lose the game? Is the series closer? Do they just postpone? And is this the right way to go about it for NBA players? Does this get everybody's attention? Spark change. Keep the conversation going even more. Is it the right tactic by the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe some other NBA teams? It's breaking news. It's a big story in sports. It's next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. But we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all, like, half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? Do you, do you want 100000 extra $100,000? Do you want a scholarship? Let's go. Politics. <laughs> we get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Would it be nice if, if in a perfect world, we all say we're not playing and, and the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, that's going to trickle down if he steps up to the plate and puts pressure on, you know, district attorney's office and state's attorneys and governors and politicians there to, to make real change and get some justice. Like, I know it's not that simple, but at the end of the day, if we're going to sit here and talk about making change, then, you know, at some point we're going to have to put our on the line and, and actually, you know, 
put something up to lose rather than just money or visibility. That's Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. Very good player, by the way. Underrated player in the NBA. Powerful words. And he basically said he was sick of all the talk, the media hype about it. He feels like it's just a pacifier for what's going on. It's just words. We need, there needs to be more action. There needs to be something else done. And that was uh, Van Vliet yesterday. Doc Rivers with some powerful words uh, last night after the Clippers game. And now today, the most powerful thing may be done in sports yet. And that is just coming down in the last 10 minutes we told you about earlier. The Milwaukee Bucks are boycotting game five of the NBA playoffs in their series against the Orlando Magic. They lead the series three games to one. There are a lot of questions about what does that mean for the series? Did they forfeit the game? Did they just reschedule? Well, I think what's going to follow suit are probably a couple more NBA teams and games in the day going to also be boycotted. We'll see. But I would assume that will be the next step. And we'll get you some of those details as we learn them as this is all just coming down. There was a threat of this by the Toronto Raptors and Boston Celtics and now we see the Milwaukee Bucks doing it, obviously, with the shooting in Milwaukee or just outside of Milwaukee in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That has been the story and the headline in the news cycle the last few days. But it's not just a news cycle item. It's a sports uh, cycle story as well, given the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the uh, fight against social injustice, against p- police brutality. And the NBA has been on center stage with their words, uh, with the illustrations on their court, on their jerseys, uh, on their shirts, and also with their actions. And today it's the action speaking very loudly mm-hmm. from the Milwaukee Bucks. Your take on it. Are you surprised by it? Is it a good move? And I do have questions about the ramifications. Is this the right way to go about it for the NBA? Uh, but I want your take first at the news the Milwaukee Bucks will boycott game five this afternoon. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what, man. And, you know, obviously Milwaukee's my team, but take the fandom out of it real quick. I'm proud of Milwaukee Bucks for what they're doing right now, okay, because there's a lot that is still transpiring in Kenosha and in Wisconsin. Um, I'm not sure if you saw what happened last night, but a, a, a We'll call him a teenager because he's 17 years old by the name of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, drove across the Illinois border. He's from Illinois. Went into Kenosha with an assault rifle. And um, whether it was self-defense or not, it still remains to be seen. I'll tell you what, they released a warrant for his arrest, and he was arrested, um, from what I know right now, for first-degree murder. Um, shot and killed two people and wounded another one. Okay, 17-year-old kid with an assault rifle. And there's video of him walking outside of the protest with cops just kind of waving at him and letting him through. Okay, now whether the cops knew what happened or not, whatever. Okay, but that's that's obviously another progression right now of what's taking place in Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's... If you listen to, I mean, Doc Rivers put it so eloquently last night. I mean, and there's a lot of players right now that are coming to the forefront using their platforms and speaking out against us. And, and I love to see it. At the same time, though, you know, whether it was the Jaguars protesting downtown, whether it was protests that have taken place after that downtown, there's a sense that, yes, there is kind of a change, right? But unfortunately, the media can only cover that so much because we all play a part in this. I play a part in this. Professional athletes pay a, play a part of this. The media plays a part of this because what you have to do right now is continue the conversation. 
And unfortunately, protesting is not enough. I wish it was. I wish I could take my Black Lives Matter sign and I'm upset sign in the streets every single day and I could see change. But that's not how society works right now. And and obviously the big talking point right now is, all right, you got to vote in November, vote in November, vote in November. Guess what, man? We're still in August right now. We got a couple more months to go and things are still going down. So it's easy to say right now, let's vote in November, let's vote in November, yada, yada, yada. What do we do for the next couple months or so? All right, what are we going to do then? So to me, the Milwaukee Bucks right now made the decision, and obviously it was some motivation from their peers um, as well probably, where they decided, you know what? Things are more important than professional basketball right now. Things are more important than going out there and trying to get shoot a ball in a hoop. There's bigger things at play right now. And it doesn't come from the president, Brent. We're talking about at a local level right now, right? And obviously the city of Milwaukee – I know firsthand. They they love their Milwaukee Bucks, man. They're the 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 Giannis Antetokounmpo and company. They've given that city hope. It's something to rally behind, and everyone's all in right now of the Milwaukee Bucks in that city, of Milwaukee. But at the same time, things have transpired the past couple of days. Violent things, racial things that shouldn't have happened. And if you're the Milwaukee Bucks right now and you boycott this, you know what's happening. The conversation is being continued. And if you go on Twitter right now, man, you go on Facebook, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see a lot of people supporting it, and you're probably going to see more people saying, what does this accomplish? What does this accomplish? They're idiots. What are they doing? They're ruining the game of basketball. We had COVID-19, now you're taking the game of basketball away, and name your derogatory term right now. That's being thrown out there on social media. You know what that's doing, though? When you want to go online, when you want to go on Twitter, and you want to talk smack to somebody, and, and you want to talk smack about them boycotting, you know what you're doing? You're continuing the conversation. Now, you may not be on the right team, but you're continuing the conversation. This is all people have to go off of right now, Brent. Right? This is all people have to go off of to make a change, is the conversation. So I think right now, from the Milwaukee Bucks perspective, the hope is that enough powerful people see this. Because they know what's up. They understand right now a bunch of basketball players probably can't make the difference. A bunch of basketball players can't change the law. A bunch of basketball players can't go out there and say, all right, well, we decided to stop racial injustice, so let's do that. They don't have that kind of power. But what they do have the power to do is continue the conversation and see those people in power, see them back. And that's what's happening right now, I think, in the NBA bubble. Is it the right approach for the NBA players to boycott? And here's the question uh, for me. And it's an unbelievable step, by the way, uh, an historic step once again. Keep in mind the dynamic here. There is a lot going on in 2020. There's a pandemic. There's a movement. Social injustice front and center. Sports athletes, sports entities have made that a priority. We just talked a lot yesterday about Roger Goodell Mm. uh, in the NFL. But sports also couldn't wait to get back on the court, the field, the diamond, anything. And now you're taking sports away from that arena mm-hmm. for how long potentially there's some word that people could leave the bubble get out of the bubble and make this more of the conversation so i guess is it the right method because if they're not they're meaning uh, basketball players and, and nba teams and the nba in general not hosting the playoffs not in the bubble do we hear from doc rivers 
do we hear from George Hill? Do we hear from Fred Van Vliet? Uh, we'll always hear from LeBron James and, and players. But do we hear the powerful words and messages that have been said over the last few weeks, last couple of months? Is that too narrow-sighted to think that way because there's a bigger picture thing? Yeah. And I understand this is this is front and center for so many of the players. LeBron James just tweeted, by the way, uh, with a derogatory word in there as well. Uh, yeah. There have been several players, superstar players. I think Donovan Mitchell has been one. Uh, all caps kind of tweets in yeah. the last uh, couple of minutes. And LeBron James said it the other day, and he's the most powerful player in the league. He might I don't know if you think he's the best player in the league anymore, but he's the most powerful player in the league. And he said the other day, half my brain is thinking about winning these playoffs. Half of it's on everything else going on in the world and what we need to do to spark change. He has put his mouth um, and his money yeah. where his thoughts are as they continue to develop uh, I think his latest uh, donation has been for voting mm-hmm. um, uh, protocols in, in certain areas of the country. So is it the right method yeah. to accomplish change? Yeah. Simple as that. Listen, um, do I want to see the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship? You better believe it, Brent. I've, I've been waiting my entire childhood to see them hoist that NBA Finals trophy. But I'll be honest right now. If the Milwaukee Bucks don't play another game this season, so be it. I, I would rather have them um, as men, you know, as you know, a, a team made up of you know a, a majority of minorities. I would rather have them try to help their city out than be stuck in a bubble and play a game. Okay, it, it's still a game, and I get it. That game can be special, and that game can be um, used to evoke change, to take people's minds off what's happening right now. That that game is special. Don't get it twisted. It's not what I'm saying at all. But at the same time, you have a bunch of uh, of people right now who are upset, who are exhausted. Okay, I mean, you heard it from Doc Rivers last night. He's exhausted. I'm exhausted. I think a lot of people right now uh, are exhausted of the same narrative. I think a lot of people um, are tired of putting their energy and effort to fight for the cause and to keep seeing the same things happen over and over again. I think we saw it with LeBron James' last tweet here. I mean. The frustration is evident right now oh, yeah. in LeBron James, and obviously he's a big, um, you know, he's he's one of the big guys in terms of being that leadership for racial injustice. So guys are super frustrated right now, and they're locked in a bubble where they can't really, you know, get out in the real world, let's just call it, and I say that in quotes, because that's where they belong right now. That's where they want to be. So once again, I mean, I'm sorry that... If you're not going to see your team maybe win a championship because of this, I'm sorry because you're a fan of the NBA and now maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen after this. I'm sorry. But there's bigger things right now than putting a basket, a basketball in a hoop. It just is, and it's simple as that. So regardless of what comes from this now, regardless if this is just a one-game thing, if it's going to go on for the weekend, if it's going to go on through the entire final, I really don't care. Because right now I want people to focus on what's happening in this country. Yeah, okay, but I think you're uh, – I, I understand all that. I think that's – I think it's extremely powerful. I think it's uh, courageous – uh, from the players to do that. I mean, they play a sport for a living, a game for a living, mm-hmm. if you will. They are um, being thrown into this arena and throwing themselves into this arena mm-hmm. uh, and trying to spark change. I, I, I get all that. My question is, is it the right method to spark change? If everybody leaves the bubble, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, uh, what do you say, Coos, OKC and Houston uh, playing the same? Yeah, they they just decided they're they're not going to play. Uh, they're boycotting the game today as well. So let's just I don't know where this goes. Yeah. But this might be a one attention getter today, which which also could be very meaningful and powerful for the folks in Milwaukee mm-hmm. uh, and other places. But I guess the question I have, and I'm not disagreeing. I'm asking no, no, this you're question. Raising the question as you should. Right I'm, I'm raising the question of if. NBA teams leave the bubble, and the season now is over, mm-hmm. and and they go back to hometowns and cities, and the players and management, and everybody joins hands and continues to do work with peaceful protesting, with uh, voting um, encouragement, with other things in their community, which is fantastic work in their community. Does anybody notice? Mm-hmm. But if they continue to play mm-hmm. and continue every post game and with a microphone in front of them to talk about it yeah. and use that platform and highlights and comments are said on social media and said on ESPN and TNT and Charles Barkley's talking about it and everybody else is talking about it. Is that a better avenue or is it already an avenue that's been visited and not working in, in the eyes of the players? I don't want this to come across the wrong way, and I, I don't want my words to be miscontrived, so I'm going to say it as eloquently and as articulate as possible. There is good that comes from when you get in front of a microphone and you speak your piece. There is good that comes from when you're wearing T-shirts um, and hats th- things like that that obviously support the narrative that this country has a problem with racial injustice. That's great and everything, and I do support that absolutely. But to me right now, this decision, whether it's going to be carried out for the rest of the season or not, this is bigger than that. This is bigger than even Colin Kaepernick, to me, taking a knee during the national anthem. Because we saw how that shaped out, and we saw the response to that. That was the trending topic for the entire football season. And whether you agree with Colin Kaepernick or not, guess what? You were talking about it. And By that's the way, what, four years ago today, Colin Kaepernick. Wow. How's that for a little history right there? So when you're talking about Colin Kaepernick and what transpired after that, regardless if you agreed with it or not, you were talking about it. And what were you talking about? Why he was doing it in the first place. Now, whether you agreed or not, I really don't care. But the conversation was started. If the NBA was to pack up and leave or if it was to be postponed for whatever comes from this, to me this is essentially the same thing as Kaepernick taking me, but maybe even more aggressive. Because you know what? Right now, the Milwaukee Bucks are number one trending topic everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I think the NBA is going to follow suit pretty soon with other teams. We'll see. And once again, whether you're for this or against this, all right, whether the, the, the news source of your choosing, I don't care. They will be talking about this. And that's the point. Whether you agree with it or not, I don't care because at the end of the day, you're talking about it. And if we're talking about it, you care in the conversation. When it comes down to it, Brent, you're going to ask the question, well, why do the Milwaukee Bucks choose to do this? Yeah. Why do they do this? We know why they did it. We know what happened in Kenosha. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Well, that's a good point. Uh, I, this is a drastic measure. And with drastic measures, you kind of hope that drastic change is made. Yeah. Drastic change is not made overnight. Correct. Uh, certainly it's been a lot of nights mm-hmm. uh, on this front. So I just uh, 
I, I don't I don't know the answer to my own question, quite frankly. Is it the right thing to do? And now does it force the NBA to boycott the rest of the way? Mm-hmm. Do you boycott for one night or day mm-hmm. to get people's attention and talking about it and saying, we don't care about basketball? Again, admirable, courageous. Yeah. Uh, I think it's unbelievable for athletes to be leading the way. Yeah. Again, that's not what we've asked our athletes to do over time. Yeah. Uh, we have had athletes lead the way over mm-hmm. time from Muhammad Ali to others. Mm-hmm. But they are taking it upon themselves to lead the way. But now that you've led the way and you're boycotting as teams and maybe an organization with the NBA and, and a league, mm-hmm. what if they play this weekend or next week? Mm-hmm. Does it make that 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 loud noise, that attention getter, go mute. Does it? Does it? Does it still carry weight, or do you think in in this instance now they have to sit out? They have to sit out until they start seeing change, and so boycott yeah. until you start seeing change. Again, change doesn't happen overnight, but maybe there's something that someone in Milwaukee, for this instance, yeah. does yeah. from a police chief to a governor to a mayor to that that says. Now that's change. Yeah. Now I see you're going to start change. Mm-hmm. Does it? Do we have to see? Do the NBA players and the organizations have to see something before they get back on the court to to satisfy this move, if you will? Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Just because I always feel like, regardless if it takes a day or it takes a month, I mean, this is for the better. I feel like, all right. Now people are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. Um, but this is for the betterment. Of our society where we're at right now. And, and once again, Brent, um, I just think whether people agree with me or not here, I really don't care. I just think right now these athletes, Brent, they're exhausted. Okay, I, I'm not talking about exhausted from playing an NBA playoff series because that's exhausting in itself. These guys are away from their families right now. All you have to go off of is FaceTime. And I think people are just exhausted from the point of, what more do we got to do to see something change? Okay, like we're putting our time, our energy, our words, um, what we wear, uh, our messages. We're putting it all out there in the universe, and we hope that it gets reciprocated. And unfortunately, we see these things pop up time and time again. And I'll reiterate my point. Everyone's saying right now, well, you know, you got to vote in November, vote in November, vote. Cool, man. There's still people right now that are afraid to probably even go to work because they could get pulled over and they get shot. Like there's those people exist out there right now. Those people exist out there where when they drive past a cop, they're scared. Okay, because the color of their skin, they're scared. That's not going to change in November. Like what are you going to do for those people right now? So to me, this is kind of like this is a hail mary. This is a last resort, if you will from a bunch of professional athletes who are tired, exhausted, and don't know what to do with their platforms. Like, yeah, they're making a difference, but they're not seeing the change. This is that Hail Mary right here. Yeah, and we'll see if it works and sparks change and how deep it goes. I mean, are they ready to walk out uh, the NBA for the rest of the season, out of the bubble down in uh, Orlando? We will see. We don't know. What we know is uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic game won't be played uh, because of the boycott. And we also know Houston and Oklahoma City is planning the same. Yeah, the Woj just tweeted the Lakers are having a team meeting right now about it. Well, I would suspect and we would think uh, that the Lakers, if you're going to do this, by the way, LeBron James team almost has to do it. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, this is a, a, a form of unity across well, the NBA. And now um, we're out of the, with Milwaukee Brewers saying that there might be um, they might be setting out this game against the Reds as well. Exactly we'll what I was going to get to next. Yeah. Do th- totally different story. But in the pandemic, when this started, the NBA was the one that stopped sports. 
is the NBA now going to stop sports again through boycotting? Will MLB follow suit? Could we see the NFL follow suit? Detroit Lions did not practice yesterday, use their voice instead during their practice time to protest peacefully. What will the other leagues do following the NBA? How long will this go on? Are sports stopped again, potentially, in uh, some uh, form? In some of these leagues, we get more to it. We get uh, back to the Jags as well. Coming up at five, we do have a guest. We're going to talk a little bit about the AFC South and uh, we'll have a little fun to end the show as well. Uh, some heavy stuff, though, here on ESPN 690 on a Wednesday as Milwaukee Bucks are boycotting game five of the NBA playoffs. Oklahoma City, Houston doing the same and the Lakers most likely will follow suit.